Howdy everyone and welcome to Rough Talk with Al the Dog Trainer. I'm Al Longoria and I'll be your host today. You can expect several things from this podcast. Rough Talk is going to be a series of audio experiences covering my day-to-day interactions with my clients and their dogs, as well as content from my live shows and anything else I can think of that may bring you value. It is my hope that this content will help you raise a happy and reliable dog. In today's episode, I have a mashup of our five most valuable tips, and here's the first one. So tip number one is how do I get my dog to focus on me? How do I get my dog to focus on me? He has taken off on me running and not come back. Boy, that's Alejandra. That that's that is the question. You know, I as a as an entrepreneur, if if that's really what I am as a dog trainer, um, attention is really important. Like uh, Alejandra, I don't know how important how much you know, but your attention to the show it means just the world to me. And obviously, getting your dog's attention and maintaining attention is a really really important thing. Now, to be honest, yesterday I tried to go out and shoot a pretty long video with a lot of detail, and I utterly failed at doing that. But I want to give you a lot of value here. Here's some practical things I want you to begin doing with your dog, okay? I want you to begin to use a leash and have your dog wear it daily inside the home. Yes, it's a hassle, but it's going to help immensely. The other thing that I want you to do is beginning tomorrow... I want you to begin to hand feed your dog. I want you to think about the food that you're giving the dog like it's money. What I would recommend to you, okay, I'm going to take this off real quick. I'm going to recommend to you getting a treat pouch. Get the treat pouch, measure your dog's food, put it into the pocket, okay? You're going to take that, and I I want you to have it on your body. You're like, well, Al, I don't want to carry food around forever. Well, I get that, but I want you to start that way. And as you have that leash, and as you have that food, as you control the dog's space, and you have the thing that's so valuable to the dog, you will become important. You'll become important throughout moments in the day, and each time that you transact with your leash, and you transact with the dog's food, you are making an investment into the relationship with your dog. And the more you do that, the more important you become. Now, this is important here. Each time that you use the leash and each time that you're literally putting food up to the dog's mouth to eat, this is when I want you talking, and that's when all your commands should take place. Now, I ran into something the other day about, you know, dogs running away, and I think this will also help you. So if your dog is running away from you, okay, one mistake that a lot of families are making is they're playing chase inside their homes, which is not bad, but they are chasing their dog instead of it being the other way that the dog is chasing them. Everything that you do in your home should be the dog absolutely chasing you. Okay, one more tidbit for you, okay? I've got some videos on my Facebook page. I probably got some on Instagram too, but I know I have some here on Facebook of a game called the Treat Toss Game. Start going through my videos, find one that's called the Treat Toss Game, and I want you to play that game with your dog with food every night for the next couple weeks. Get 20 to 30 repetitions of that, and if you play it properly, what's going to happen is your dog's name 
is going to gain value, but your dog is also going to understand to turn around and come back. And I think that's going to be really important. But, you know, for your dog running away from you, just make sure that you're keeping a leash at all those boundaries. Let your dog cross the boundary, bring it back in, start hand feeding your dog, and that's going to go a long way to really helping you do that. If you need any more help, feel free to reach out. I'll be happy to make a video showing you what I'm talking about, and I plan to, to do that very soon. So this next tip is, how do you keep your dog from destroying your backyard? So the next question that I have is from a client that, we're current, that I'm currently working with. She has a Rottweiler. And the question that she asked me was, how do I keep my dog out of the plants in the backyard? You know, this is really one of those big picture things, okay? It's obvious that if your dog is over there playing with the plants, that he's just having a lot of fun. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, your dog gets to go over there and just tear up your plants or whatever. But I do think that a measure of some tolerance for the dog is important, okay? But I don't think that it's okay, like I said, for the dog to just go over there, tear up your plants and do whatever. So one of the things that I like to do with my really young puppies when I'm in the backyard is I actually like to have them on leash. Okay, and if they're destroying things, what the puppy is most likely telling me is that, hey, I want to play. So rather than correcting your puppy for actually being in the, you know, in the plants, and I get that if, you know, maybe a little bit later, like telling the dog that, no, you can't do that, is pulling the dog away from the plants and then using something that the dog thoroughly enjoys. So let me give you a couple of options that actually might be useful to getting your dog to leave the plants alone and maybe even pay more attention to you. So y'all, I know y'all seen these, okay? If this is your first time here, maybe you haven't seen this before, but this right here, if I showed you the ones that we use for my dogs, they would look uh, horrible. But, and the reason is, is they're just so dirty from how much we play from them. But when I, when I have my dog in the backyard, I love to play interactive games with them. As a matter of fact, before I did this, uh, before I started this Q&A, you know, uh, about an hour before I did this, I went out and I tried to wear out my dogs because last week while I was shooting this, they were they were a little rambunctious while I, and I didn't necessarily want to stop talking to y'all. So you can, you can have the dog going out after, you know, after your plants or after whatever it is. And then you're going to take, you're going to take your toys outside. And I really would just begin to encourage you to teach your dog how to fetch play with your dog using some kind of toy. You know, we, I, like, I like this. I like these balls of string. I also love the leather rag where you're getting to play tug with your dog. But there's other ones. There's a toy called a Jolly Ball. It's a nice round ball. I like to have those in the backyard and then I encourage my young puppy to play with those rather than playing with the, rather than playing with or messing with the plant. Okay, now, let me give you another way. I talked about place training a few minutes ago. I like to take my dog out into the backyard and I like to put them in a place. And then I like to have things that would normally stimulate them, stimulate them to make them lose their minds. Okay. And I like to teach them that, hey, you're going to have to practice settling down in this place and to become calm. And you could actually put that within maybe two to three feet of the plants. And then every time the dog came off of its place, you would use your leash, you'd put the dog back on. And when your dog showed great composure, then you could feed the dog or you could release the dog to some play with you. But that's really what I recommend. Now, let's just say that none of that is working. It is okay to use a training tool like a remote collar or a prong collar 
to tell your dog no. But I just don't think you should be telling your dog no for messing with plants if there hasn't been something better for the dog to do. So for my next tip, I'm going to be talking about how to deal with dogs and their temper tantrums. Tantrums are tough. Tantrums are tough. I know, like, I walked into a home just a couple of days ago, and when when I walked in the home, the owner wanted to show me all the different destructive things that the dog had done. The dog was chewing on all the window sills. The dog was tearing up, you know, newspaper. The dog was peeing on the really nice rug. The dog was doing all of these, you know, all of these things, all these bad things. So I see all that. And then I go to put my, I go to put a leash on the dog. And it was just so amazing. I put the leash on the dog. And right after I did that, it was like one of those bucking broncos that you see in like an old Western. I've got this line on the dog and the dog's just throwing this massive tantrum. And I'll tell you, I've been seeing dogs throw tantrums for years now when I put a leash on them for the first time. And I always look over at the eyes of the people as their dog is in the middle of the tantrum. And so many people become so worried about the dog, like, oh my gosh, what's happening to my poor dog? And that's the thing that gets us. That's the thing that actually gets us and it's a trap. When you see your dog throwing that tantrum that you put the leash and they throw themselves on the floor, that they turn into this bucking bronco, that they begin to bite the leash, it's hard because nobody likes to see their dogs doing that. And then what we normally do is either we let go of the leash or if like they're biting it, we let go. We let go and say, hey, it's okay for you to bite the leash. I don't mind that. Well, it's not okay for the dog to throw a tantrum. And the technique for it actually requires something special out of us as adults. And as an adult, with a dog, a kid that's throwing a tantrum, well, especially with a dog, when the leash goes taut, and I'm not saying tight like strangling or anything like that, but it goes taut on the dog, that leash absolutely, positively does not relax until the dog is done with his tantrum. Because if you decide to apply pressure on the leash, the dog throws the tantrum and is in the middle of the tantrum and then you let go of the leash, guess what's going to happen? The dog's brain is going to say, that's the answer. Throw more tantrums. That's it. That's exactly what's going to happen to your dog if you do that. So it's hard. It is actually hard when the dog is in the middle of throwing a tantrum, but what I would tell you is the thing that you're looking for from your dog when it's in the middle of that tantrum because the leash is on them, your dog has to go 100% calm and then only after the dog becomes 100% calm can the leash relax. You don't need to make it tight. It does need to stay taut the entire time the dog is throwing the tantrum. But it doesn't, you're not trying to choke the dog or any of those things. It just needs to stay taut because this is you trying to have a normal, very normal dialogue with the dog. You're not yelling. You're not excited. You're just nice and calm. And once the dog actually de-escalates and becomes calm, then you simply get to relax and the dog can understand that, oh, okay. And guess what? You're probably going to have to repeat it a few times to the dog so that way they can begin to understand that, hey, I've got to become calm whenever they put the leash on me. As opposed to turning into a Bronco that's dragging you out the door, down the neighborhood, into the street, and into a fight with another dog. So 
So for tip number four, I have, how do I get my dog to stop pulling on the leash? How do I get my dog to stop pulling on the leash? All right, guys. So here's the thing, okay? Leash walking. It's there's three pieces of information that I give here that I think really make the difference. Uh, you know, I got to leash walk a dog earlier today, and I was only partially successful, and I'll explain why. But let me let me kind of help you set your mindset first. When you go out to walk your dog, when you go out to walk your dog, it's important that you have the mentality that you're not going to make a lap around, uh, you know, around your neighborhood that you're actually going to be thinking that you're on a dance floor. If you live on a cul-de-sac, God bless you, because that's like the easiest place that you could ever learn uh, or your dog could ever learn. So here's what I recommend. Kind of think about it as you get, like you're going to dance. The first thing I want you to do is short leash your dog from your front door to the dance floor, the cul-de-sac, right? Take the dog into the cul-de-sac. When you have your dog on a short leash, you walk him into the cul-de-sac. Then once you get there, you're going to go to a slack leash. What I recommend doing, yeah, I'll go ahead and grab a leash. Jay, go wide for this for just a second because I, I really want to show this to people. What I, what I want you to see, because I, I think that it's useful, when you go and you're going to walk your dog, when you're going to go and walk your dog, you need to have the leash over your left hand, over the top of this L, just like that, okay? And you're going to hold it to where it's completely where it's completely slack, but you're going to want to make sure that the leash is down here on your hip, okay? So leash over your left wrist, okay? Pin it down to your hip, and the dog is going to get all this leash right here. So here's where it's going to get a little challenging, but if you're just patient and you see it through, you're going to see a change. You're going to have that totally slack leash, and then you're going to begin to then you're going to begin to move. As you begin to move, it's super likely that the dog is going to dart out right in front of you. As soon as the dog dabs out in front of you, I want you to change directions and go the other way. Your dog's probably going to dart out in front of you again. Change directions again. I did that probably 94 times today. Before the dog finally said, oh, I guess I should stop pulling because you're not going to let me go anywhere. I'm like, that's right. You're going to have to follow me. So number one is just get off that mentality of that you're, that you're on the racetrack. Just keep changing directions from your dog. Now, maybe do that for a minute or two if you're new to this. But change those directions. Make sure you're super disciplined about keeping the leash down by your side. And it's going to seem kind of funky. It's going to look and it's going to feel weird. But I'm telling you, this is a really great technique for showing the dog where the boundary is and by walking away. So once you've done that, okay, now is the time to that you're actually going to help your dog get them right by your left-hand side. And then once you get the dog by your left-hand side, I want you to begin to reward your dog and provide a lot of clarity. Uh, let, me, let me do this again. Go wide one more time, Jade. As you get the dog... As you get the dog, you want to have the dog that kind of where the back of this chair is, that the dog is there, the dog is there, and then you just start rewarding the dog. You have your tree pouch here, you're feeding the dog, the food is coming down, the food is coming down, the dog's like, oh, this is where you want me to be. The mistake that you can make is that you can have a, like a super tight leash. You could be here with your leash real tight on your dog, and you're feeding him. The leash absolutely 
has to be relaxed as you're coming down, as you're coming down to feed the dog. So one, you got to get that mindset right. You get the mindset that the dog is going to be, you know, like you're on the dance floor. Number two, change directions every time the dog tries to take the lead. Number three, you're going to show the dog that, you know, being by your left-hand side makes the leash go 100% relaxed and that there's going to be a ton of food there. And I think that if you can do those, because these are the things that I do and I get people's dogs to walk very nicely for me and for them, that you're going to be very successful. But that's actually how you do it. Now, before you start what I just said, I want you to spend one week in the hallway of one of your homes, and we're going to get to show you this very soon, in the hallway of one of your homes, just feeding your dog 100% of its meals for actually sitting by your left-hand side. Do not feed the dog with your right hand. Feed the dog with your left. Come straight down the side of your body and feed the dog, and that's that's how you're going to do that. And, I, and I'm telling you, that technique has worked for me very well. Yep, there's going to be a couple of dogs that doesn't work for. I got a technique for them, too. If you need help with that, just let me know. All right, guys, so for my last tip, I have how do you stop your dog from marking in your home? What do you actually do when your male dog actually starts marking inside of your home, okay? So, you know, it's pretty common. This is, you're actually going to see this behavior begin to crop up in dogs around the time that they're about eight, you know, eight months old to a year old. There is one sure way to get rid of them actually, uh, actually, you know, marking inside your home, and that is to neuter your dog before six months. Don't do that. Do not neuter your dog before six months. If you want to know why, hey, just send me a message, and I'll give you uh, plenty of reasons of why we do not recommend neutering your male dog at six months. But if you wanted to eliminate your dog from marking, you would neuter them very early, and that would uh, not allow the secondary sex characteristics of any male gendered species to, to begin to do any of those male behaviors. Okay, so your dog's already marking. What do you do? Well, the first thing you're going to need to do is you're going to really have to be very disciplined with yourself about how much freedom your dog is getting inside of the home. Okay, that's really where it's at because the dog is going to, you know, is going to be opportunistic. They say, oh, the back of the couch smells like urine. That's a place that I should mark. Oh, there was a female dog scent kind of there that you rubbed off on some tree outside. Oh, I should go there. And because we can't pick up on scent the way that a dog can, if their nose receives a signal that that's the place to go, they're going to begin to go there. So you're going to have to be very, very vigilant inside your home about, you know, watching your dog, probably keeping your male dog on a leash, keeping them on their place quite a bit. But here's the one thing that I recommend. I'm going to get a little funny, but I'm going to bring some practicality to it. One thing that I would do as a guy, if I wanted to teach my male dog what to mark, I would go right in my backyard pee exactly where I wanted the dog to pee, bring the male dog over, have him sniff my pee, and then when he does that, I'd be like, hey man, that's where I want you to go. The smell of urine, okay, is going to tell the dog that that's where you're going to go. How many times have you seen your dog go to the fire hydrant, go somewhere else that the dog is actually using the restroom, and do the same thing? So, what I want you to actually do if you're struggling with your dog that's marking inside the home is I want you to actually show them where you want them to use the restroom, whether it's in your backyard, whether it's in your walk, whether wherever it, wherever it is in the, you know, your daily comings and goings, 
Where should the dog be going? So you need to begin to show the dog that's where you want, and you need to begin to reinforce the dog very heavily each and every time that they do that. And you need to eliminate all the opportunities, all the opportunities for the dog to actually mark inside your home. Now, if you guys have ever heard me talk about potty training before, I've always told you that I do not want you to correct your dog if they have a potty accident inside your home. And that still holds true even right now. But if your dog is marking, if your dog is marking in your home, and that is a different behavior, your dog is marking in your home, you can correct. You literally only have 1.5 seconds. You literally only have 1.5 seconds to correct your dog from the moment that they finish peeing. And if you don't have a remote collar on your body, in your hand, to tell them no when they do that, when they're, when they're marking your territory, you're too late, don't do it, okay? And I would just recommend to you, I don't know if I would set the dog up for me to teach him I don't want you to mark in the home. I would really just very, very heavily focus on teaching the dog that I only want you to mark outside and then really manage them inside the home. So, hey, those are my tips for getting your dog to stop marking inside your home. It can be troublesome. I would look to continue this kind of regimen with a dog for about a month or so, okay? So it has to be pretty structured. And yes, if you do catch your dog in the act, please, please, please tell them that they're in trouble. Make sure they get in trouble and reward them for when they get it right. Well, hey guys, it's Al the Dog Trainer, and thank you so very much for listening to today's podcast, Rough Talk episode number one with Al the Dog Trainer. I appreciate your attention, each and every one of you. If you haven't already, it would mean so much if you would subscribe to my podcast. And if this was informational or useful in any way, I sure would appreciate if you would rate and review. You guys have a great day, and we'll be talking to you.